You know, we, above all people, should be the most joyful. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, And I don't mean to guilt anyone with that because we know that often, I know that often I am not. But think about it. All of our sins are forgiven. (laughs) That's worth shouting about. It is for me because I've got a lot of them. Now, what's that verse about women being quiet in the church? (laughs) The Holy Spirit has been given to us. That means God lives in us. That's worth rejoicing over, is it not? God has given us amazing promises. Think of this one. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Let that sink in. Here's another one. God will work out everything for good in your life if you love Him. If you're called according to His purpose. God works out everything together for good, which to put it into a very common way of saying The end of your story will say, and he lived happily ever after. Or, and she lived happily ever after. That's the final sentence in your story. Pretty amazing promise, right? Jude 124. We will stand in the presence of God, joyful and blameless. How many times have you gone before God and you just... You feel like, Lord, I'm so unworthy. Here I am again. I messed up again. Anybody ever feel like that? I I know you do. Yeah, I I don't even want to think about all the times I've had to do that or felt that way. But there's coming a day when we will stand before God completely joyful, completely flawless. People will look at us and they'll say, amazing, beautiful, flawless, glorious, and they'll be talking about us because of what God has done for us. That is a promise that he makes to us. And that is why I say that we, above all people, should be the most joyful in the world, but we also know, all of us know, that we lose our joy along the way. Do we not? It could be very deep-rooted issues, or it could just be the busyness of life. I mean, we may be doing the right things, and we may be doing God's will, but we get so caught up in doing God's will that we suddenly stop and think, wait a minute, am I, re- am I enjoying the Lord? Am I rejoicing? And many times in my life I had a thought, Lord, I, I'm, I'm doing your will, I'm following you, but I'm just not feeling the joy because I just get caught up in the busyness of life. You know, isn't it funny, when, when I found out in the midweek that uh, I would be speaking on this message today, from that point forward, I had countless opportunities to lose my joy. Why do you think that is? <laughs> and I kept reminding us of, Jonathan, you've got to preach on this. You better rejoice. <laughs> and so I just want you to know I'm preaching to myself this morning as much as I am speaking to you. 
There are myriads of joy thieves out there. And so today, we want to look at this passage, and we want to identify four of them. If you don't see yourself in any of these things today, then I'm sure that there are other, we know that there are other Bible verses that will address these things. There are hundreds, thousands of joy thieves out there. Today, we're just going to look at four of them. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's just pray one more time and, and ask for the Lord to manifest His presence and, and to bless us. Father, it's already been a joyful time singing these praises to You and uh, being in the, in the company of Your people, greeting one another, uh, hearing what's going on. We just thank You for this wonderful opportunity to gather together and to rejoice before You. And Father, we, we confess right here at the very beginning, we, we fall short. But we pray now for your Holy Spirit to speak to each of us, restore the joy of our salvation, increase the joy of our salvation for your glory and that we might be a light in this dark world that is looking for answers. And we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, the conqueror, the the worthy one, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Verse 1 in Philippians chapter 4 begins this way. It's it's really a tie-in to the previous chapter, so I'm not going to say much about it. Paul says, Therefore, my brothers whom whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And to really understand that, you got to go back into chapter 3. And so it's kind of a really a concluding thought on chapter 3. So I'll just leave that with you to, to go back and refresh yourself on chapter 3 where Paul tells us to, to pursue Christ. He's laid hold of us. We need to, to pursue Him with all of our hearts. And so this is Paul's concluding thought on that. But then in verse 2, he says this, I entreat Yodia... And I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now we have some people named in this passage here, and then we have this mystery person, my true companion, Paul talks about who who is his true companion nobody knows some say it was Luke and different ones will will uh, nominate different people that we know from the first century church as being Paul's true companion we don't know who that is and then he talks about Clement we don't really know who Clement is now there is a Clement that shows up a little bit later in church history just just a couple of decades later who actually wrote a letter to the church at Corinth and he was very prominent in the first century church it, it could be the same Clement but it could be somebody else we don't know and then we have the mention of these two women Euodia and Syntyche who were they? All we know in this passage is that they were workers with Paul in advancing the gospel. Look how Paul describes them. He he tells this true companion, whoever it is, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. These were special women. They were with Paul. They were on the front lines with the Apostle Paul advancing the gospel in very dangerous circumstances. We know that about them, and we know something else about them. 
they weren't getting along. <laughs> in all the years in which I pastored churches, I have never been in a church where everybody got along all the time. There is one church that experiences that, and it's the church that's with the Lord right now. And we'll all experience that someday, but until that day comes, there will always be disagreements, and there will always be issues. And so here's these two very special women, and they're not getting along. Why were they not getting along? We, well, we don't know that either. It, you kind of get the impression that it wasn't something major, because Paul, then in the passage, he does not... Uh, go into some big, long doctrinal treatise about how one of them is right and one of them is wrong or, or, or both of them have their theology incorrect. He doesn't say that at all. He just says, look, tell these two dear, beloved women to get along in the Lord. Maybe it was the style of leadership. Maybe it was the vision they had and how they wanted to, to carry things out uh, in, in their mission. Uh, and, and they had a difference of opinion. Or maybe it's just that they their personalities graded against each other. And, and they just had a little bit of a difficult time getting along with each other all the time. Someday we will find out. Can you imagine it? Someday we will be in glory and we'll be walking on the streets of gold and Yodi and Syntyche will be headed our way. And we'll say, well, here they come. Yodia, Syntyche, I've been wondering all these years, what was it that caused Paul to write you up? <laughs> I mean, somebody mentioned that this past Wednesday or Thursday when, when we met to talk about this passage and said, can you imagine that your name is in the Bible, but you get written up in the Bible <laughs> and it's there forever and ever? <laughs> Aren't you glad scripture is still not being written? And that's, there's no apostle, like an apostle Paul in our midst, we might get written up. <laughs> we don't want that to happen. So, so here comes Yodi and Syntyche. They're walking down. I say, what was it? And Yodi will say, oh, it was just the most foolish thing. And Syntyche will say, no, 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 sister. It was really all my fault. I was the one who was being selfish. And then they'll just, la they'll just look at us and laugh, and they'll just keep on walking. And we'll watch them walk away. And then we'll say, wait a minute, what was it? And they'll turn around and say, does it matter? And that's the point that we need to understand about this, uh, about this verse here, that many times we lose our joy over things that don't matter. Look at the slide here. Quarreling over petty things. How many of you quarrel with your brothers and sisters or your parents growing up? May I see your hand, please? Wow. I'm not surprised. Now, think of some of the quarrels that you may have had when you were young, when you were a child, quarreling with your siblings. How important are those things to you today? If they're still important, we have prayer ministers in the back who will help you out, okay? But, but you know where I'm going with this. They're not very important anymore. You can't even remember that they, they really weren't worth quarreling about. And that's the way most things are. We quarrel about things that don't matter. And because we quarrel over, over things that don't matter, we lose our joy. What's the solution here? Joy comes when we learn how to major in the majors and minor in the minors, refusing to make an issue over petty things. And some of us do better at that than others. 
but it's a skill. It's a character area that we all need to learn to just let it go and trust God that it will get worked out. That's a joy thief, and that's a solution. Let's go on to the next one. In verse 4, Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, other translations, they, instead of the word reasonableness, they'll use the word gentleness. You'll find some translations use the word forbearance. And the great theologian J.I. Packer used the term sweet reasonableness. I love that. Don't you like that? Sweet reasonableness. And Paul says, let that be known among you. I'm afraid today that, that many Christians, especially in our political environment, many Christians are known for their cantankerousness and just being hard to get along with or, or pushing their agenda. M- many are so known for that. I was in a, in a teaching, um, actually I was a part of a, of a small group study a few years ago, and, and this person told the story uh, in England where a worker went up to this Christian, and he didn't know if he was a Christian or not, but this person had the sweetest spirit. And this, this worker went up to this person and said, you are the kindest, sweetest person in the world. Are you a Buddhist? And the Christian who heard that, and as the story went on, it was just kind of like, wow. I think people of a false religion can often come across more sweetly and more kindly and more reasonably than we, the people of God. And he was convicted by that. And when I heard that story, well, obviously it convicted me because that little story stuck with me. And so what is is it that, that robs our joy? Joy thief number two is this. It's being harsh and prickly in our words, and in our dealings with others. And some of us can be uh, more that way just by a personality than than others. I I realize that sometimes personality uh, has a part to play in this, but all of us need to to grow in this. All of us need to to learn this. I'm learning. I'm still growing in this, and, and I'm learning how that when I hear somebody say something, and it elevates the temperature a little bit. It it elevates the blood pressure a little bit. I'm learning how to say something with a a tone of voice that immediately turns the thermostat down. And then I, I hear it in the other person also. And when I observe that, it brings joy to my heart. You want to rob yourself of joy, be a prickly person. You want to rob yourself of joy, be harsh in your tone. But you want to fill yourself with joy? Then learn how to control your words, your actions, and even the tone of voice so that you come across in a very reasonable way. And then Paul says in this verse, he says, the Lord is at hand. He may be referring to the second coming here. The Lord is at hand, and so he is going to judge. Or he could be referring to the fact that that God's very close and he's watching. And it could refer to 
the reality that because God is close and He is watching, He is ready to jump into a situation and to minister His kingdom power and His kingdom grace if we will learn how to respond in grace to other people and not be prickly. And when we respond in the right way with sweet reasonableness to people, then the Lord who is near steps in and He pours out even more grace and even more blessing. And that's what we want, isn't it? Yes, that's what we want to see. Now let's look at the third joy thief in this passage here. Verses 6 and 7, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Joy thief number three is worry. And I know with about 99% certainty, just because I understand human nature, that is that all of us will fit into this category here. All of us have worries at one time or another. And some of you right here, right now, are carrying heavy worries with you. You're carrying heavy burdens and you are weighted down by those burdens. This is what Paul says. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Those are big words. Nothing and anything. They cover everything. And Paul says it. And our tendency is to say, yeah, Paul, but you haven't heard this one. <laughs> now, Paul doesn't just say, don't worry about anything. Then he, he gives us some, some very practical steps to take in this passage. He, he tells us three things to do. He says, I want you to pray, I want you to petition, and I want you to give thanks. And for those of you who really like to alliterate, pray, petition, and praise. You can have three Ps there, okay? Matt really likes that. Okay, you can, you can really preach that, can't you? All right, all right. You put that in your pocket and use it for another time. All right. So here's what you have to do. First, you have to say no to the worry. But then you can't just do that. You have to do something positive. No to the worry. You got to keep pushing it away. But then you have to do something positive. And Paul says, first, you got to pray about it. And that is just, just pour out your heart to God. Just go to God and talk to Him about what it is. He, yes, he knows about it already, but just pour out your heart. And he loves it when we do that. He loves it when we talk to him about the things that are bothering us. So that's number one, pray. Number two is petition. So after a while, after the Lord hears you praying and just unburdening yourself, finally he says, okay, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> and that's when we petition and we say, Lord, number one, will you do this? And number two, will you do that? Petition him. Be very specific with what you want God to do. And then the third thing to do, according to this passage, is to praise him, to be thankful, to be filled with gratitude. 
Here are some things that were said last Wednesday as we were gathering together. Thankfulness creates a space for the Holy Spirit to work. Now, now try, try to picture that in your mind. Imagine that, that you're confined in this little area here and, and God wants to get in, but God can't get in because your worry just, just consumes you and closes you in. But thankfulness pushes the walls back and it allows space for the Holy Spirit to come in and minister. Isn't that a good picture? Here's the second thing that someone said. Thankfulness conditions the soil of our heart. And that goes back to the parable that Jesus taught about the seed being cast upon different kinds of soil. Some, some soil was, was, was uh, hard, like a, like a road, and, and some had rocks in it, like South Texas, and, and, and some had a lot of weeds and thorns, like your garden and, uh, and mine. <laughs> no, actually, Kathy's done a great job pulling out a lot of weeds, and I've helped a little bit. So... Um, but, but the weeds come in and, and, and they, they choke out the really nice plants that we all want to see, see grow. And Jesus identifies what one of those weeds is. He says, the worries of life. Worry will choke out your growth with me. So thankfulness, push it, saying no to worry and being thankful to God conditions the soil of our heart so that we can be more fruitful for Him. And then here's a third thing that someone said. Thankfulness creates a hospitable environment for the Holy Spirit. Think of people that, that you've enjoyed going to see. And you, you go into their home and they're so warm and they're so welcoming and you enjoy being around them, and you just love being with them. They're, they're so hospitable, not just with how their house is laid out, but just the way they act towards you, and you like to be with them. And then think of other people who are always griping and always whining and always complaining about stuff or always talking about their problems. You just, you just kind of don't want to be around you right now. Thankfulness creates a hospitable environment for the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to overcome worry, and if we're going to be people of joy, increasing joy, we must have the Holy Spirit in our lives because the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And that's how it takes place in our lives. Let me take just another couple of minutes with this area right here because it is so important I want to ask you again, are you carrying worry with you this morning? Do you tend to carry worry with you as part of your daily routine? I would like you to bow your heads right now. I'd like you to just bow your heads and, and close your eyes, and I want to invite the Holy Spirit to minister to you right now. And so what I would like you to do is to take 30 seconds and let that worry surface. Just let it come up.
And when it comes up, I, I would just like you to just quickly to raise your hand and then you can just put it right back down and say, yes, Jonathan, I, I have this worry. Okay, yes, thank you. Thank you, yes. Yes, I see hands going up, many hands going up. Yes, many hands going up. Now, as you sit here with your eyes closed and with that worry right in front of you, I want to give you a word from God. This is the word of the Lord to you. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. That giant that you see standing before you, I've already taken care of him. And I will work it out for good. That is the word of the Lord to you. I want to pray for you right now before I finish this message. Heavenly Father, you see not only these precious people, but you see these burdens that they have been carrying. <clears throat> and I pray that you would open their eyes to see that you are good and that you will work it out and that you will take care of it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lift right now, that you would lift the burdens from the shoulders of your people. And that rather than carrying around a burden, they would carry with them a blessing. And they would carry around blessing you and thanking you. And so now in the name of Jesus Christ, may you pull those weeds out of their hearts. And may you plant your joy deep into their hearts. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, let me say one other quick little thing here is that I, I realize that some worries are like weeds that, that very easily come up. You just reach down in the grass, you pull them up, and they're gone. And then there's some other weeds that we reach down to pull them up and oh, it's not coming it's not coming and you go get the shovel and you start digging around it and it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and so sometimes God takes care of things very quickly but sometimes he says I need you to dig with me in this area of your life and so some of you this morning may have experienced immediate relief but some of you may not have and I want you to know that's okay we have trained prayer ministers who will be in the back to pray more with you on this. And we have resources. We know of people who specialize in helping others dig down deep into those areas that are causing you worry. And we can help to point you to those people and to those resources. So I, ju I just want to make sure you understand that in case you, you still feel a little bit of, of worry. Uh, you know, in, in my life, worry nearly killed me when I was 11 years old. And 
It took years for me to grow up and to learn some things. And I still have things in my life where I, I, I look at areas of my life and I think, man, I thought I dealt with you 40 years ago. And here you are again. What, what are you doing here? Sometimes we have to keep dealing with things again and again. So don't let that bother you. But just get help. And, and God will minister his grace to you. I better finish this up here. Joy thief number four. We find it in verses 8 and 9. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent, excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Joy thief number four is focusing on the negative and the dark side of things. Worry is meditation. Not, not Easter med- meditation. Easter meditation is when people empty their minds. Biblical meditation is when people fill their minds with the truth of God. And worry is negative meditation where you're going over the same thing again and again and again and again. You just keep thinking all of these thoughts. And Paul says, stop filling your mind with these thoughts. Fill your mind with these other things here. If it's true, if it's honorable, if it's excellent, excellent, if it's worthy of praise, think about these things. So joy comes when we fill our minds with good and positive things. And then Paul wraps it up when he says in verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul lived this way among them. Paul modeled this life among them. He showed them it's not worth it to quarrel over petty things. He showed them it's not, it's not worth it to be harsh and, and prickly in our conversation and in our behavior. It's not worth it to worry. It's not worth it to think on the dark and negative side of things. Instead, do the opposite of these. Paul says, this is how I lived among you. I was the model. And now what I want you to do is I want you to practice these things. And don't you love that word practice? <laughs> it means that none of us has arrived. We, we just keep to, we keep to, uh, we get to keep doing it over and over and over again. And that's what this church is. It's, it's a fellowship of practitioners. It's a fellowship of people who are learning and who are helping each other to practice these things and to overcome these burdens, and to be filled with the joy of the Lord. So, so yes, as I, as I begin the message, we, above all people, should be the most joyful. And we will be that way as we practice these things. Let's pray together again. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the inspiration of your word and the very practical nature of your word in that you do give us every reason to rejoice and we pray that Grace Northridge would increasingly become a joyful church and that this community and our friends would stand up and notice and that they would be attracted to you, our glorious God and Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.